what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a little bit further about uh, our Advent time together. And we're going to look at a couple scriptures, from one from Old Testament, one from New Testament. And we're going to be discovering uh, another new theme in this uh, Advent season of God with us. And that is our theme for Advent messages uh, these, these Sundays. And the purpose, again, is to remind each one of us that no matter what we go through, no matter what life throws at us, we have God with us, Emmanuel. And so far during this Advent season and the Sundays that we've gone through so far, we've looked at and on the first week of Advent, we saw or first Sunday, we saw that God desperately desires to be in a relationship with us and how God, who is relational, creates a space where he and humanity dwell together. We looked at the creation story in Genesis, where the relationship between God and people was broken by sin, and then, but then discovered in uh, the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, how Jesus brought restoration to that relationship. And then uh, the second Sunday of Advent, last Sunday, uh, we discovered that God's people must be ready to be on the move for Him. We looked in Exodus at how the Israelites moved the tabernacle. And then we looked at the Gospel of Luke where the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And they were on the move for God. But we, we discovered, though, ultimately, that followers of Jesus must be on the move for Jesus. Now, next Sunday, again, it's another online service that we're going to have together, Facebook Live only. We're going to look at a lot of different things, but we're going to have a wonderful celebration put together uh, um, by my wife, Becky, and others who volunteered to participate in this. Uh, but among all the wonderful stories, the testimonies, and the music, and the singing, we'll discover that God is present in the world and in our lives, redeeming His people and redeeming His creation. We'll look at King Ahaz in Isaiah and, of course, the birth of Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. But today, today focuses on how God draws and calls all people and all nations to himself. Through our time together, I trust we'll be reminded that our God is great, our God is mighty, and, and worthy to be praised. Now, what better time, really, to stop and reflect than the season of Advent? And together we will draw, draw some examples of this, this great fact from, from Isaiah chapter 2, the first three verses, and other portions of Scripture from the New Testament. And this fits wonderfully with our Advent focus in Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses, where we find the story of the three kings, the Magi, who were drawn to the glory of the Christ child. And we pit that story against a prophecy found in Isaiah, the first three uh, verses of chapter uh, chapter 2. And, uh, and we'll examine how this is still true today. So we have some wonderful opportunities ahead for us. Now, just, but to remember and realize, actually, that God draws and calls all people and nations to himself. All creation and all creatures of our God and King are drawn to God. So listen to these verses that speak of God's magnificent beauty and creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. 
we are without excuse as far as realizing that there is a God who is among us and has created all this, this for us. In Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 19, verse, uh, the first six verses, Psalm 19, says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or, knowledge, or, or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the, to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So God is everywhere. And we are drawn to Him. You look at the sunrise. We've had some beautiful sunrises lately. The sunsets as well, some beautiful ones too. You go to the beach, go to the coast, and you see the ocean and the churning of the water and, and all just the waves and down in Depot Bay where you have the spouting horn and all that going on down there. Beautiful. The mountain ranges, beautiful mountain ranges now with the snow-covered uh, mountain ranges going on. Uh, gorgeous farmlands in the Willamette Valley uh, under, uh, under the uh, clear blue sky that you m might have on a, a crisp uh, winter morning. Also to you know, marriage and, and even childbirth. All these things come together reminding us that God is everywhere and He is drawing us to Him. There are many more, but these are just a few things that shout God's work and shout His creation. We marvel at it. We, we praise Him and we worship Him. But what better time to remember God and recognize what He has done than during this time of Advent? So let's first look at the prophecy found in Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Follow along as I read the verses. This is what Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. So once again, we see a progression in how God reveals His presence to His people. Now, in Exodus, we find God's presence dwelling in the tent of meeting or, or the tabernacle. We looked at that a little bit last Sunday. But later in the Old Testament, Israel constructs a permanent temple to replace the mobile tabernacle. The temple was the central place of worship for the people and became synonymous with God's presence. For the ancient Israelites, the temple was a beautiful symbol of God with us. But the temple was not a symbol of, of hope for Israel alone. According to Isaiah's prophetic vision, the presence of God in Jerusalem was a light for the entire world. He saw nations and tribes from around the world pouring into Jerusalem, being drawn into uh, to the holy mountain of God. And this is a sign pointing to the wonderful beauty of the character of God. This prophetic vision tells us of a time when all nations will stream to the Lord's temple. Whether this is about our, our, our current church or, or a prophecy of the end times, not we don't know for sure, but this much is clear. 
We are called to worship God. We are called to do that. And that's what we need to be doing. And also, what's really clear is we are all drawn into God's presence. So as we come this time of year, obviously that happens. We are drawn into His presence. We're being reminded that God is with us. So whether you're, <laughs> you're a shepherd, like we talked about last week, or a king, or a fisherman, or a tax collector, or a doctor, or an NBA player, or a college student, God calls and draws all people and all nations to Himself. So let's go back to the, the Advent narrative found in Matthew chapter 2 in the first 12 verses. Follow along as I read those verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, <laughs> and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them, from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, may, I, I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the, the star, they were overjoyed. Uh, on coming to the house, they saw the, the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and pre presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we pick up this story uh, again after the birth of Christ. And this time, though, we focus on the Magi, or the wise men. Not much is known about these guys. We don't know where they came from or how many there were, although three is assumed because there were three gifts given to the baby Jesus. And tradition does tell us they were men of high position from Parthia. Uh, it's near the site of ancient Babylon. And some scholars say these wise men were each from a different land, representing the entire world bowing down before Jesus. And that may be true, but one thing we do know, these men from far away recognized Jesus as the Messiah when most of God's people didn't even recognize him. Those people in Israel. Now the Magi traveled thousands of miles to see the king of the Jews. And when they finally found him, they responded with joy and worship and with gifts. And this is so different from the approach people often take in today. We expect God to, to come looking for us. Uh, we expect God to explain himself. We expect him to prove who he is, 
before we're going to worship him, believe in him. We expect him to give us, give him, uh, give us gifts. We expect him to do that. But those are, are, uh, who are wise still seek and worship Jesus today. Not for what they can get from him, but for who he is. So the Magi came to Jerusalem seeking the newborn king of the Jews. <clears throat> and, and Herod the Great was quite disturbed about all this when these wise men asked about a newborn king of the Jews. Because, first of all, Herod was not the rightful heir to the throne of David. As a result, many Jews hated him and as one who unrightfully seized the throne. If Jesus really was an heir, an heir to the throne, then there would be big trouble going on. Uh, secondly, there, Herod was ruthless, and because of his many enemies, he was suspicious that someone would try to overthrow him. Thirdly, Herod didn't want the Jews, a religious people, to unite around a religious figure. Can't have that happening. And then finally, if these wise men were of Jewish descent and from Parthia, the most powerful region next to Rome, they would have welcomed a Jewish king who, would, who, who could swing the balance of power away from Rome. In the land of Israel, uh, far from Rome, this little place of Israel would have been easy prey for a nation trying to gain more control. So all these things disturbed Herod. And the Magi's news also troubled Herod because he knew that the Jewish people expected the Messiah to come soon. Most Jews expected the Messiah to be a great military and political uh, deliverer, like Alexander the Great. And Herod's counselors would have told Herod about this. And so no wonder this ruthless man took no chances and ordered all the baby boys two years younger in Bethlehem to be killed. King Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem, requiring them to return to him and report what they had seen so that he could also go and worship the child too, right? And what he actually wanted to do was to destroy any rival to his throne. So instead, the Magi were drawn to worship the Christ child and follow the star all the way to him. And Jesus was probably one or two years old when these wise men found him. It's not like the, the nativity scenes we see where you got the baby Jesus in the straw, hay, and there, and, and you have Mary and Joseph, and you've got uh, some cattle and all that from the manger and some shepherds there. But then you have the three wise men. That doesn't really happen there, but you know what? That's okay. Enjoy your nativity scene. We've got ours as well, too, set up like that, but don't worry about it. But by this time, when the wise men come, Jesus is about one or two years old. And uh, by this time as well, Mary and Joseph were most likely married, living in a house, and intending to stay in Bethlehem for a while. And the Magi not only worshipped him, but brought him gifts and brought him offerings as well. By the way, <laughs> do you know what this kind of sounds like? It, drawn to a place to worship, drawn to a place to worship and praise and, and recognize God while bringing gifts and offerings? Sounds a lot like church, doesn't it? Coming to church, worshiping God, bringing your gifts and offerings to Him. The church has been around for a, a long time, a couple thousand years. It's gone through some major changes, of course. 
We talked about the first church of the uh, first version of the church last week, the tabernacle, you know, which was kind of like the the beta test of the church, the mobile church, if you will. And then it became known as the temple. And then once Christ died and was resurrected, then the church went underground. And then over time, it eventually became what it is today, the church that uh, we see today. Now, that's the little history of the church by PJ in about 15 seconds or less. But uh, with Jesus' arrival at Advent, we witness an interesting, an interesting shift. Because of the miracle of the Incarnation, the presence of God is no longer just located in a central building. Now he is present in the form of a person. We have moved from bricks and mortar to flesh and blood. This is an incredible thought that sheds new light on the idea of God with us. As with Isaiah's uh, vision, an incredible beauty marks this new temple as well. And strangers from unexpected places are drawn to worship Jesus, coming from all over. And the story of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2 tells about their journey to meet Jesus as well. And this is a, a stirring sign of how far God's grace can reach. <laughs> grace welcomes the outsider and draws the entire world to Jesus. This is the hope of Advent. And in this season, we watch as the light of the horizon grows brighter, capturing the attention and the hearts of the whole world. From the prophetic vision of Isaiah to the story of the Magi, we see that God is making himself known to the world and continues to draw all nations to himself. I believe there's some things we can learn here about the Advent story of the Magi. And I think there's some things we can apply to our lives. One of them is if you want to experience Jesus, you must be willing to be interrupted and inconvenienced. If you look at those first eight verses of Matthew chapter 2, you see that. A long journey, thousands of miles for the Magi to reach Jesus. They had to go out of their way, interrupted from their daily routine, to go all the way out, all this long journey, to find this baby Jesus. And also, too, being inconvenienced, uh, there was a, an angry king's agenda that they had to look at and try to figure out if they're going to follow that or not. If you want to experience Jesus, you must be willing to be interrupted and inconvenienced. Uh, these days, we will be interrupted by God's uh, direction and leading. We may have our day scheduled out. We may know what we're going to be doing for that day, but God knows better what's going to be happening with your day. And so we need to be flexible. We need to be ready to be interrupted and inconvenienced if we want to experience Jesus in a relationship that goes deeper. He's going to use us in many different ways, and we need to be ready to be used by him no matter what. Another application that we could probably draw from this story of the Magi, worship God and give him your best. Worship God and give him your best. In uh, verse 11, as the Magi bring uh, their gifts to Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, those things weren't uh, in a, uh, too cheap. <laughs> they were expensive gifts. And so the Magi came and gave them, gave him their best. 
and uh, they worshiped God right there. We, as we come to church, as we come in person, obviously, inside the building, we probably are more likely to be able to worship God and more likely to give Him our best in that time. When we are in this setting, online uh, meeting like this and church like this, maybe it isn't so easy to worship God. Maybe it isn't so easy to sing along with those worship songs. Maybe it isn't so easy to be connected together as we worship God, as we, as we do that. But we, regardless of it, we need to give Him our best. When we come together to worship Him, and that's what this is all about, you hear a message from your pastor, but you're here to worship God. When we do that, we should be giving Him our best, no matter what form this takes. I think another thing we can uh, learn from this and apply from the uh, wise men, st- uh, story of the wise men is that God provides a pathway of discovery for those who seek Him. If you're willing to seek God, He will provide that pathway of discovery. He provided a direction for the Magi through prophecy as they looked at the, their, their, the scriptures and everything else and all the prophecy that was going on. He, he, was, he, they, uh, he was guided by the priests who also too, under Herod, King Herod's uh, direction, looked it up and made sure, and yes, this is where it's supposed to be in Bethlehem. So that's where the Magi went. Also too, um, they were um, on their way uh, to see baby Jesus in that way. But then um, the discovery of, of uh, maybe not coming back the same way Magi learned that as well, too, and God provided a pathway of discovery that way, too. They were willing to seek after Jesus no matter what it took. And so when someone's willing to seek after Jesus, to follow him, God will provide the pathway of discovery. God will provide the opportunity and, and, and the direction and the, the, the ability to be able to go deeper with Jesus in our relationship. Another thing we can apply out of this as well, too, from the story is, you know, finding Jesus may mean that your life must take a different direction. (laughs) Finding Jesus may mean that your life must take a different direction. Think of the shepherds, uh, last Sunday's story. And those shepherds were a changed person when they came and they found Jesus. And once they found Jesus, then they left from there praising God and they went on their way telling everyone about what they heard and what they've seen. Their life was changed. Their life took on a different direction. They were no longer just shepherds out in the fields watching their sheep and and getting bored or whatever else. They were now messengers of God, giving the good news to whoever would listen. The Magi. Magi, after they found Jesus, they were then um, directed to go on their way home a different way in a dream that God provided for them. I guess the question for us is that, are we willing to be led a different way? We found Jesus. Are we willing to allow him to change our lives in a direction that he wants to go? We might have an idea where we want to go and plans for the future. But you know, if those plans aren't given to God, placed in his hands, uh, we might find ourselves going down a different path than what, what God wanted for us. If you found Jesus, 
it may mean that your life must take a different direction. I know for me it did. And when I found Jesus, and my life took on a total different direction, and that I wasn't looking to, to be selfish and do the things I wanted to do, and, and uh, it was all sports and soccer and everything else, uh, there then was an opportunity for me to be a messenger of God, to let other people know about the good news. And so I had this, this, this just welling up inside, and I could not help that I needed to be that messenger. And so the different direction I took and went through ministry. So finding Jesus may mean that your life must take a different direction. And uh, finally, I think another application we can find here through the story of the Magi is that no matter what you are facing, come to the conviction that God will lead you. No matter what you're facing, come to the, to the conviction that God will lead you. The Magi were led by God through the star all the way to the baby Jesus. Um, and then, of course, they were warned by God in a dream not to return to Jerusalem. No matter what they were facing, they knew that God would lead them. We need to realize that, too, especially in these days of 2020. And yes, we can say 2020 is almost about done. Well, you know, maybe so, but I don't know if the troubles are almost done. <laughs> Those continue on. Doesn't mean that once we turn the calendar over to January, troubles will be all gone. We need to realize that no matter what we are facing, no matter what 2021 has for us, we need to realize that God will lead us through it. God has led you since March, since April, through all of this, the last 10 months of, of coronavirus, of wildfires, of uh, political unrest, of protests, of all these things, God has led you. God will continue to lead you, and you need to be have, have the conviction that God will do that, especially in these days. But no matter what you're facing, realize, realize that God, and believe that God, will lead you. God will lead you. So God really does make himself known to people and to nations. And you can count on this in your own walk with Christ. And in addition, as a follower of Christ, part of the way you can help others connect to God is to assist them in seeing how God has made himself known in their lives. Kind of being like the, the person that points out and say, hey, did you realize that? Did you realize this was of God? And you can help those people, I guess, have a, a, a different perspective on life. And you can be that messenger. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, means that God draws and calls all people and nations to himself. As he worked in the Magi's life, he will work in our lives as well too today. Some of you probably heard about uh, the Christmas star appearing this year on December 21st. Let me read, you, read to you an article that I found about this. It's the first time in 800 years the Christmas star or the star of Bethlehem will be visible in the night sky. Now, during the upcoming winter solstice on December 21st, the planets Jupiter and Saturn will align to create the bright star of wonder. And the two planets have not appeared this close together since the Middle Ages. Uh, and the article goes on to say that alignments between these two planets are rather rare, occurring once every 20 years or so. But this conjunction is exceptionally rare because of how close the planets will appear to be 
to, well, to be to one another. You'd have to go all the way back to just before dawn on March 4th, 1,226, uh, <laughs> a few, few years back, be, to be able to see a closer alignment between these objects visible in the night sky. So a star sighting of this magnitude won't happen until, again, until 2080. I don't plan to be around then, so everyone else enjoy that. But the star will be visible in the southwest portion of the sky about 45 minutes after sunset. That would be probably about 5.15 at night in the northern hemisphere on December 21st. And sightings of the star may be visible also too throughout the week. Very interesting. We will have that. And there's a post on Facebook, maybe you've seen it, and other websites as well, that takes a deeper look at how amazing that this occurrence would be happening in the year 2020. Listen to what they say. They say, in the year when Jesus was born, there was violence, there was chaos, there was political and social unrest, and it was dark. The Magi found him by way of the star, which some say was the meeting of three stars, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. And they followed the star until it rested on where he was, and they began to worship him. And in a time where it was dark, light was brought into our world. Jesus stepped into the chaos and brought us peace. Now, so fast forward into uh, this year, 2020. It's a time of violence. It's a time of chaos. It's a time of political and social unrest. It is dark. Winter solstice, December 21st is winter solstice being a time where the day is the shortest and night is the longest. It's literally the darkest day and it is the beginning of what most would say the cold, dark winter season. But on the darkest day of this year, Jupiter and Saturn, they will meet, giving us today's version of the Christmas star. How fitting that in the moment of time during the Christmas season that we get to see the, this beautiful reminder that even in the darkest of times, light will and has stepped in, stepped into our chaos. And in our chaos, He is there. In our darkest time, He is there. God with us, Emmanuel. He brings light and makes all things new. So as you look out on December 21st for the Christmas star, may we be reminded of his power and his light that he brings for all mankind. He is perfect at stepping into chaos and bringing it into, into peace. And I think for us, we need that peace. We need that light. We need his presence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder today from your word of who you are and how you draw us close to you. And Lord, how you are with us. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue on these days of Advent season, help us, Lord, to be encouraged and be reminded that you are with us and that you prepare the way for each one of us. Help us, Lord, to trust that you will guide and direct, especially in these days where it is the darkest, especially these days where... It has not been so wonderful. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, the one who can guide us through these days. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of these things and help us, Lord, as the Magi went and searched for you, that we would seek after you as well 
And as we seek after you, we would realize that our that your presence was with us and we go deeper into that relationship with you. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this reminder of who you are and what you have for us. We love you so very much. And we love you, Lord, uh, for not what you do, but for who you are. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.